0: Yesterday, The Economist reported that the head of the u s. Defense Intelligence Agency said that the u s and Ukrainian officials failed to assess the depths of Russian defense. How's that possible? Because they were planning this counteroffensive
1: for six, seven months. I would probably not go I'm not going to be original, okay? I started talking about it uh about half a year ago in earnest although I was kind of approaching it uh, prior to this for years, uh, it's incompetence. It's military incompetence of uh, military professionals so to speak in NATO. They are that incompetent. And we're not talking about in the political class. That goes without saying just anybody who has a degree in political science or uh you know from any Ivy League school it's just basically uh, useless people they are uncultured uneducated but it is the fact that on the level of operational and strategic so-called planning or whatever passes away that militarily they are that incompetent
0: it's not just the US and Ukraine British intelligence German intelligence they all together in this war against Russia. It doesn't make sense. In my opinion, when the enemy is on defensive, it's much more predictable comparing to when, when the enemy is on offensive. And Russia wasn't defensive. Why they couldn't predict their tactics, the Russian
1: strategy in this war, in this counteroffensive. offensive uh, Because doctrinally, NATO, which uh, is your euphemism for United States, doctrinally which spreads itself from field manuals to whatever doctrinal publications of the joint chiefs and everything they are not designed they are not you know literally designed and built to fight serious enemy who shoots back and russians should (laughs) russians shoot back extremely well especially considering the fact that uh isr and i've been writing this for years that's what people still do not understand. They always thought that, uh, intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance complex or uh, United States had was without equals. Well, it's absolutely not true. Russian ISR complex, it's space assets, it's uh, all kinds of the sensors and especially net centricity, which is in place, uh, is in no way inferior. So Russians see as, uh, my friends who are in a serious position in the on the front lines there they say that even battalion commander in russian armed forces on the front lines sees 20 30 kilometers in depth and russians also know what and how flies above them what it tries to get you know in terms of the the electromagnetic map in terms of visual thermal what have you so and uh because of that russians know every single move of ukraine and as a result once you know or you see your enemy you can hit your enemy you can kill your enemy this was the truism since 1980s
0: tony blinken is in ukraine he just said just yesterday he said that it was a good counteroffensive for ukrainian what's your what's your assessment of these counteroffensives so far
1: Oh and- no! It's there is no counteroffensive. It, it, there never was. If you don't get a breach uh, and you don't uh, in three four days, and you don't get to your objectives in fifteen, the most, then it's gone. It's over. It's not counteroffensive. It's just throwing uh, Ukrainian corpses at the basically what is called pretpolia which is their uh, area before the first line of defense, and they're getting slaughtered there in the industrial quantities and so there's nothing to assess they will be continue to throw it you know russians will continue to do what they continue to do annihilating them in their industrial quantities and then we'll see what happens i mean russia has no reason to do anything yet until it completely exhausts basically the mobilizational potential not only of ukraine that is clear as the you know daylight but of nato and then well we'll see what is going to happen obviously something is going to happen
0: <laughs> when biden said that we are running out of ammunition, they decided to send these cluster bombs to ukraine and they talking about f-16s now they're talking about cruise missiles to send to ukraine how do you see this sequence of sending weapons to ukraine is it going to change anything
1: on the battlefield in favor of ukrainians no first uh United States, I'm not talking about even NATO, has nothing in its arsenal short of the nuclear weapons, which can change anything. Even if they will start providing them from the stocks or from the assigned TOA table of organization and equipment of the regular cadre uh, units, formations of the U.S. Army, it's not gonna change a thing. It's gonna be still annihilated in the industrial quantities it might create some uh minor tactical level problems, which is inevitable, you know, even when you run let's say uh six, seven hundred men uh even um without support of anything, but you run them on the short uh sector, you know, short front of let's say uh two hundred, three hundred meters, you still have to kill them. You know, I'm sorry for being so blunt and seemingly bloodthirsty, I'm not but I mean even th- some of them might get through you know so even no matter how you kill them you can especially as we know it's the fact uh, which has been confirmed corroborated many times most of the Ukrainian military sits on the uh, amphetamines they are pumped literally with the drugs it's been known for a long time now for many months now and uh so yeah you're still gonna get somebody somewhere You know, they will either fall POWs or they will, you know, just stop somewhere until they get, you know, killed later. And the same here, I mean, it doesn't matter what they supply. It's, uh, as I already stated, NATO militaries, and uh, lucky lucky for me, I wrote three books on that. They are not designed to find the real combined arms or multi-domain war against the peer. And in Russia, they don't just have the peer. In some things, they simply have no technological means to counter what Russians have. And the question of this, uh, be that air defense, be that uh, 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 standoff weapons, especially supersonic and hypersonic missiles, and we can go on and on and on. And, you know, so there you go. We have Mr. Blinken coming to Kiev <laughs> and doing what they usually do in most uh, U.S. media and so-called military experts, which are pathetic, all those U.S. generals, they are just, you know, butt of jokes in Russia. People openly laugh at them. So, and they lie. They invent things. They invent facts. You know, they just, you know, pretend that they are good. They are not. How about if F-16s? Because
0: they, they are training Ukrainians if they get the best training possible.
1: Let's assume that. Is that going to be a game changer? No. It doesn't matter what it is. F-16, F-35, F-22. It, it absolutely makes no difference whatsoever. They will be detected. They will be tracked. Their firing solution will be development, developed. And they will be shut down. And it doesn't matter what kind of the training you have there. If you look attentively at how, for example, not only Russian Air Defense, whose uh, who's, uh, action effectiveness. On the aerodynamic targets, such as the fixed, uh, uh, I mean, fixed wing airplane and helicopters, rotary wing, is approaching 100%. That means, and then, of course, you have Russian Air Force, which is, by the way, expanding <laughs> dramatically. And uh, it has, the. it's just uh, now, it's not even arguably, it's just the best Air Force in the world right now. And it operates, uh, basically, everybody knows uh. Right now, if you are Ukrainian pilot, the only thing you have to learn is how to take off because you will not need to learn how to land because you will be shut down. And it doesn't matter what you fly there. And it doesn't matter in what quantities in terms of BDM 10, 15 or 20, or even 40 aircraft, they will be detected, they will be intercepted. And again, this is the issue which many people do not understand, the issue of the situational and tactical awareness The Russians have the full uh, battlefield awareness, and uh, they see deep into the, not just Ukraine, into the NATO territory.
0: We know that some of these F-16s and cruise missiles that they're going to send to Ukraine are capable of carrying nuclear bombs. How do you see the role of these weapons, these new bombs they're going to send to Ukraine in the escalation
1: of the war in Ukraine? Um, we're talking about B-61 uh, bomb. It's a free falling. I mean, it's. I, I believe I can, it can glide, but the point is, it is a bomb. It is not a missile. And uh, in order for you to drop it, even if to imagine that somehow somebody decides to commit suicide, you need to get your aircraft such as F-16, which is the uh, technologically obsolete, no matter how you update it, I mean, it's still, it's a very beautiful looking aircraft, you know, and when it came out first, you know, it looked absolutely, you know, fantastic and beautiful, gorgeous. But the point is, uh, it's also technology, no matter what you stick in there, you know, those AESA radar and things like that, but in order for you to drop the atomic bomb, if we assume that somebody indeed goes completely bananas, which they there not far away from it anyway in White House, uh, you still need to get your aircraft within the vicinity of your target. You know, uh, uh, tens of kilometers. And once you get there, you will be shut down. No matter how you try, you can try, of course, the low pass. But then again, if you have, uh, which you have most of the time now, A50 mainstay, Russian AVAX, Sentry and other, uh, air defense system also operating there, you will be detected and you will be shut down we know that the uk sent depleted uranium
0: bombs to ukraine now they're talking about the us they're going to send more to ukraine how do you see the role of these bombs are they going to change the face of war in in terms of the effects that gonna have on the environment
1: yeah it's primarily environmental i mean in terms of the uh, uh munitions themselves they're just munitions you know they are high density rounds usually And uh, Russians use tungsten, for example, instead of the depleted uranium. But the point is that, yeah, it is primarily environmental because once they are, from what I know, I'm not a specialist in this field. And please don't quote me on this. There are people who know much more about the chemical component of this and how it uh, pollutes the environment. But the, uh, in and of themselves, is just another round, you know, so it makes, militarily makes very little difference, if any. So it is primarily post-battle and how it will decay within the ground. That's what I think is prim- primary concern.
0: We know that with all that said, sending these cruise missiles, these depleted uranium bombs, F-16s, even even cluster bombs. We don't have any evidence that Russia is using these cluster bombs in Ukraine. No evidence so far. How do you see the Russian strategy? They're so calm. They're doing their way. They're not getting excited about these things that are happening on the part of NATO. Uh,
1: Russian uh, objective here is not even Ukraine. Russian objective here is destruction of the NATO or rolling it back. And that is why, uh, Ukraine is many, merely just the one of the links in this chain of the events, which stretch from Syria to Africa to, for example, Taiwan, you know, with China now kind of, you know, supporting Russia, even if tacitly, you know, so, and, uh, yeah, it is a much larger game here and Russia has a much bigger fish to fry. Here so, and that is why I mean uh, again, people do not understand the war is over for Ukraine. Ukraine right now exists only because the United States pumps wh- whatever it can into Ukraine, and once it stops pumping, which it's coming to uh, to an end because considering the economic, rather pathetic state of the United States, and let's not talk about military state. Then uh I mean we'll see what Russia will be doing because Russians are concerned now with only one thing in terms of Ukraine. How much should they take? And uh there is a very clear understanding in Russia that uh there are no many friends of Russia in Ukraine, some are, and the question is how do you handle this territory which is basically populated, whatever is left of the uh wherever the remnants are of the brainwashed Ukrainian population so and that's the main strategic concern militarily no matter what NATO does it's not going to change outcome in any way it simply cannot and some people even in Washington begin to get the message you know however late so and Russians main concern is this and what to do with their overall global state of their affairs and uh Ukraine while important is just a part of it you know
0: definitely we are seeing some articles in the mainstream media they're talking about the failure of this counteroffensive and despite all these articles in the mainstream media we we've seen that they're sending more weapons to Ukraine more money to Ukraine and do you see any any change in the Biden's in the Biden administration's policy that we can consider it as a
1: off-ramp to this war? Not as of now. I know there is a panic in the White House, that's for sure. So, but I don't see any change because those people, as I already stated, when you look at the Blinkens, Newlands and Sullivan's of those things, I mean, these are not normal statesmen uh, or stateswomen. They are uh, ideologue, they are fanatics, in their Russophobia and they fight not for democracy or anything. They fight for what's left of their uh, primacy of the U.S. dollar. And uh, they do not understand, obviously, because they are uneducated, uncultured people, which is primarily product, which is produced in the humanities uh, departments of the U.S. Ivy League or Oxford in Great Britain. Uh, but... point is they will continue to destroy the country and their reputation. American military, your reputation is in tatters. It exists only in the within the uh, uh, milieu, so to speak, cultural milieu and, um, sphere of the Rara boys and think tanks and some, uh, mass media, but that's about it. The world already saw that the, you know, emperor is naked basically, you know, so, and, uh, Uh, In this particular case, uh, they have nothing left to do but to continue to press on because they don't know anything else. They're literally that incompetent and uh, uh, incapable of making, you know, serious diplomatic or, you know, international relations conclusions. Not to speak about the fact that, again, as I already stated, uh, we knew always that uh, American political top is militarily illiterate completely. But now we have to admit to the fact that, my gosh, militarily, even the top brass, all those generals, all those Pentagon, Joint Chiefs and stuff, they have no clue, I mean, what they were doing. But then again, look at America's military record. It it loses every single war it fights, except for Grenada, of course.
0: And the other important factor in war in Ukraine is the manpower of the Ukrainian army that is diminishing considerably. Yes, they reported 66,000 Ukrainian soldiers were lost in this counteroffensive. Is it possible for them to retrieve what they've lost in this counteroffensive?
1: No, they will try to mobilize, which they are trying to do now, anybody, including 17 and 16-year-old kids. They mobilize people which are above 60. They mobilize people with just order came out by their... Uh, defense Ministry of Ukraine a few days ago coincided with the change of the minister of Defense, so they had one uh, not job now they have another not job in power and that uh, about the lowering of the criteria for the being uh you know basically drafted, and they essentially allow you to have people with the psychiatric uh, you know um issues sick people you know basically being drafted and uh, you cannot train them, and you, I mean, it's just cannon fodder, basically, that's what it is. They can create some, you know, pool of the cannon fodder and can throw it again. It will be, again, physically annihilated, and that's about it. What can I say? It just prolongs the agony of the Ukrainian state and Ukrainian people, whatever is left of them, and when you look at this, I mean, what can I say? I mean, uh, you already know probably about the additional uh, g- graveyard areas being afforded or allotted for, which is coming. Basically, we know another hundreds of thousands of KIA's, and the actual number I'm on the record since the start. Once the actual number will be released, plus minus, of how many KIA's. They had for the last 18 months. It will be a wowzer, but we already know that it is about 400,000. How much about 400,000? Kias? I don't know. A lot. The German media reported
0: just yesterday that 160,000 young Ukrainians of the military age have fled to Germany from Ukraine. This shows that how Ukrainians are not happy with this war. With this continuation of this war and how do you see the policy in Ukraine
1: we are not going to have any election in Ukraine those who have half brain left in Ukraine they try to run obviously it's natural because no matter how much you are being brainwashed by propaganda and uh, but everybody can see basically what is happening now in terms of the uh, draft policies by the uh, Kiev regime which is essentially criminal they basically getting down to the point of they already passed the point of what in germany was in 44 45 something like folks grenadier divisions you know basically they are now down to the full phase and hitler youth basically and that's what is happening so i mean what can i say uh, they made their choice you know ukraine they wanted it so they my i have idea how I have no idea how they gonna deal this psychiatrically, but there are some serious issues in terms of propaganda and being brainwashed as a people in Ukraine. So, but they will continue dying until Russia decides to <clears throat> finish it off once and for all. But it's not up to Ukraine. Ukraine is finished, as uh, as I already stated, armed forces of Ukraine. It is all about NATO and what Washington does. So Russia wouldn't mind also see EU disintegrate, which is happening. And so, you know, we have a much, as I already stated, Russia has a much larger fish, much bigger fish to fry. But the quality of the training that they're receiving from these NATO in 11
0: countries, they, they are training these Ukrainians with different methods, different strategies, different people. These people that are training Ukrainians are not aware of a real war. What does it look like? Have no experience of war
1: in their lifetime. I actually can read my book, A Real Revolution and Military Affairs, which came out in 2019. Uh, exactly three years before the start of the special military operation. And I'm on record constantly, including in my first book, and I continue to state that uh United States Army has no experience with the real combined arms. Uh, and they, uh, they used the Gulf War as the yardstick, and that was the worst thing which could have happened to them because always not very strong combined arms uh, wars which in in the cold war 1.0 relied primarily on the reconstituted basically not Wehrmacht but Bundeswehr which was in 1970s and 80s a very serious force and of course they saw all other you know NATO members uh, uh you know armies which have been trained uh, properly so to speak to face all first five six days of the soviet assault and then they would go nuclear anyway But now you suddenly have the people who think that because they beat uh, the third-rate Iraqi army, which couldn't even even plan operations properly, and they kind of made this conclusion that they are so good, they're not. They never were. And uh, that's the problem. And uh, when you look at the field manuals and things like that, I mean, no NATO army can fight with the peer, they simply do not have TOE, table of organization on and equipment. For example, there are no US officer who can grasp the idea, including those people from those, you know, uh uh uh, uh general staff and command college in Leavenworth, uh Kansas, those who teach all those, you know, who you know, fancy NATO thingies, they don't understand. Unlike the case with Iraq, or uh, let alone Afghanistan, uh, they once got the taste of the, what it means to deal with uh, people who have the standoff weapons when they killed assassinated General Soleimani, and Iran actually, you know, uh, warned them that we're going to respond. Now uh, they do not understand how to fight without being situationally aware and your communications uh, suppressed. They still think that they will have their uh, ISR assets on the orbit. They will not. They don't understand how to have your uh, complex suppressed. They don't understand, for example, when your core headquarters of the core or the army, which are in-depth, several hundred kilometers in-depth from the front, they are still a very easy target, and they can be reached depending on the type of the weapon, and they could be annihilated. They have no clue about it. They don't understand how to lose command and control of the units. So uh, And so these people now coming uh, to, uh, to Ukraine, and they were trying to teach uh, some of the soldiers and officers who had more experience surviving modern, brutal warfare than they ever did. And again, uh in I'm not opening or uh, basically disclosing any secret, but uh, in Russia, there is a, a basically very succinct, uh, however, you know, kind of primitive, but it's kind of, you know, to uh, give the first impression thing. How Americans fight. They get on the line of the contact, somebody shoots, and then they call in close air support. That's it. They don't understand what it has to, for example, tank company being annihilated within the first two uh, uh, minutes of being, you know, built into their uh, company column. Because United States Army never encountered, for example, smart munitions. And you you begin to go over it, and you look at this, I mean, all those general words about long-range fires, you know, command and control, it's all fine, but what are you going to do if all your uh, aircraft will be shut down? And there you go.
0: We know in this war, something new has happened that was the role of these drones that Russia is using Mm -hmm. in Ukraine. How important do you
1: find it? Oh yeah, it is obviously extremely important, but this is only one of the tools. One of the tools. What it has to be understood actually, apart from the loitering munitions, which is now very world famous Lancet, for example, which hunts any tank, you know, any armored vehicle or whatever you have. We have to remember also that it, there is also an antidote being developed simultaneously with the development of those systems. And Russians have an extremely efficient electronic warfare suppressing means for enemy drones. And obviously, we actually now can observe even the drone against drone, aerial combat. Some drones fight other drones. So it is important. But... I want to stress, this is not the only means of the long-range fires. You know, people have to keep in mind that many people still do not understand the importance, for example, of such extremely advanced, um, they have been updated and already improved throughout the special military operations, such as the laser-guided and uh, smart munition as uh, Krasnopol or Kitalov shells, they're guided munitions, uh, a lot of tanks, I mean, c- quite a huge number, actually, of tanks and um, uh, 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 armored personnel carriers or the armed forces of Ukraine have been uh, basically destroyed by these types of munitions. This is artillery shells, but they are guided and uh, you have no def- defense
0: against them. Is it possible after this war, let's assume that they they go for a negotiating table, in your opinion, is there any room
1: for Ukraine joining NATO? No, no. I mean, uh, the war will end on Russia's uh, Russia's conditions uh, uh, because it's already essentially militarily it's over. What we we see is kind of the, uh, how to put it uh, militarily, it's the uh, formalization of the outcome that's what we see because no matter what uh, uh they want to pretend it as a stalemate obviously those people who uh, you know push this you know, stupidity they are disingenuous or stupid i mean many of them are generally stupid so and uh, especially american journalists it's uh you know it is a <laughs> i mean laughingstock of the world but the point is what we see now is formalization russia sits there pretty calm And uh, it's basically uh, gives United States time to think how it will accept their conditions. And conditions will be known NATO, obviously, whatever is gonna happen to Ukraine or whatever is gonna be left of Ukraine. I don't know, only Kremlin and Russia Security Council know that maybe even they don't know it yet because they have to decide on what to do. So, but other than that, it's formalization phase right now. So, what 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 the armed forces of Ukraine going to do? What is NATO going to do? Is NATO going to go on the uh, in war with Russia? With what? United States has no resources to start any kind of armed combined arms operation against Russians. No matter how they try, forget about Europeans. Europeans here are just the doormat. They are nobodies. You know, they will be told. Uh, you know, they will do as told. So, and when you look at this, it's just, yeah, it's between Russia and United States, but the United States with this administration and uh, internal dynamics in the United States, which is, of course, you know, we know the whole situation with Biden, we know the elections coming, Trump, this whole crazy dynamics and how they destroy country from the inside. Russians just have to sit and wait and observe what is happening. And it's fascinating for many Russians, they look at it as, wow. What a show.
0: It seems that Biden going to be the final nomination of the Democratic Party. And on the other hand, we know that he's not capable, physically capable of doing that. Is it going to be a Republican, Democrat? How do you see this, the, the, the next president of the U.S., because it's so important for the outcome of this war?
1: The America itself is in pretty much a hysterical state right now. And what is happening in Washington could be described only, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, one expression, psychiatric ward, you know, with the violent, mad people running around. And that is why, for example, Russians have nobody to talk to, you know? So it doesn't really matter. Whoever comes, there is a union party sitting there. Uh, Discount all those, you know, uh, real Republicans, uh, you know, very few of them. Who really want to kind of, you know, control the party. In reality, even the Republican party is a rhino party. It's a neocon driven entity. So they have very little difference between Democrats and uh, Republicans as the establishment. So it's a single party state now. And, uh, whoever comes, it makes no difference. They will do nothing. Because the country is, you know, completely corrupted, top-bottom right now. I never saw anything in my life like this. It's just unbelievable. It actually reminds me of Yeltsin's Russia, you know, with the doors uh, in Kremlin rotating with all kinds of the uh, ungainly creatures just going on with the bribes and all that. Stuff. So same, same is here. It's the empire in the collapse. And whatever is going to happen after that, I don't know. So I don't know the dynamics, but, uh, how these dynamics will play out, but it makes no difference. Uh, all of them are warmongers and many of them who say that, you know, they want to stop war. They say it because of the populist slogan, because obviously American public generally, at least most of it, I think is tired of that and again look at the economic state of the united states it is just a disaster honestly and um, so whoever comes comes you know uh, russia gonna talk even to the devil as long as the devil has the rational thinking you know but you cannot talk with american uh, politicians they're not rational people and again as i already stated uh it special military operation and the way geopolitics evolved in the last um, twenty four months it shows that those people really that stupid. I mean they are that incompetent.
0: you think that the final negotiation is going to be between Russia and the u s just not considering anything about the eu
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think so. Both Russia and United States are okay with EU disintegrating. Europeans proved themselves stupid and gullible. And, uh, so they're basically, and don't forget a lot of Russophobia actually originates not from, uh, United States, although, albeit, of course, considering their, uh, complete irrationality and neocon dominated, uh, Biden administration, you, you do expect it, and especially the sure the uh, human and professional, which we call the U.S. mainstream media. But actually, Europeans, by by nature, many majority of Europeans, they are not, uh, you know, people who love Russia. Let's put it this way. And when you look at the majority of Germans, majority of Finns, majority of uh, whoever French, they don't like Russians. More, most of them. I'm not talking about whatever, 10-15% of people who might have, you know, uh, <clears throat> reasonable um, uh, attitudes towards Russian. Majority of Europe don't like Russians. So there you go. So, and uh, in this particular case, uh, Russia has no reason to talk to Europeans. To talk to who? Again, look at them. Most of them are just, it's a joke. You know, look at the, look at Germany. How can you talk to Schultz or his stupid uh, bimbo um, I mean, those are not normal people. And the same goes for Macron. Same goes to Rutte, who just actually uh, uh, basically uh, removed himself from the political life of Netherlands. Meloni, she's is, she is fraud. They all are. <laughs> so you cannot trust any word from them. So <clears throat> it's, It doesn't matter what you
0: get in Europe. You, you're going to get the he, from the left, from the right, Meloni, when when she was going to be the president, everyone was talking about, oh, he's going to be a change in Italy. No, <laughs> nothing no,
1: changed. no, nothing changes. They're utterly corrupt. All of them are frauds. Uh, I called Meloni at the moment I saw what she was saying. The only guy who is a genuine article there is Viktor Orban. And, and, and actually, as strange as it sounds is, although he's not in you, it's Mr. Erdogan, because Erdogan cares only about Turkey. So, and when you look at this, other than that, they're just lap dogs, again, uncultured, uneducated, I mean, completely incompetent. These are basically what is called the, uh, degree meal, um, of European so called elites when you look at Baerbock, for example, or Scholz, or Bach, the economic minister, they're downright stupid. I mean, I'm sorry. Who of any uh, uh you know real statesman status gonna talk to them? They're idiots basically, you know, apart from the fact that having people having no integrity, no human honor, nothing. The only thing they can sell is Russophobia, and many of them are genuinely Russophobic. They hate Russia genuinely, and that is why, I mean, to talk to Europeans about what? I mean, yeah, so they cannot even figure out how many genders they have, you know, and so let them be, let them go and go green, you know, so <laughs> let them kill their whatever going to be left of the economy, and that's it. We know that another
0: front of this conflict between russia and the u.s even china russia and china on one side and the u.s on the other side is in is in africa we had a coup in niger and how how and and china is is helping africans to build up their their infrastructure and russia is have some military experts there wagner group is there how do you see this new confrontation if we can consider it a new confrontation how do you see this in Africa
1: oh, it's difficult to say and actually Russia they are not only present through there whatever is left and reformed from Wagner group because um there are I'm pretty sure there are other organizations of similar nature who are involved there <laughs> private yeah private yeah but uh, uh the truth is now that <laughs> i don't know how it will be complete it's been completely remodeled so to speak but russia is entering there economically big time awesome including building infrastructure and things of this nature so i don't know what united states can give really the only thing united states nowadays has is primarily a lot of printed dollars uh economically united states is dwarfed by china this is the fact which people from wall street journal due to them being incompetent hacks do not understand that you can have whatever dollars you want but you have to be able to deliver on many things which really matter which are tangible and uh, in this particular case, uh, Russia and China, they have a lot more to offer to Africa than whatever the uh, United States wants to offer. So, and, you know, so simple as that. How do you see the viability of the Taiwanese going to war against China? The United States doesn't have plan. It doesn't have strategic planning. It has general ideas, and then it creates business plan, okay? <laughs> not strategy, as you saw yourself. It's not even miscalculation. I mean, it's the amateur uh, planning for Ukraine. That's what happened there. I'm pretty sure there is amateur planning for Taiwan, too. And uh, But the point is that... um China is not as uh, established militarily as one m- might think. Obviously, what they have, they have Gomingdan, you know, coming to power evidently through the uh, elections, because they, evidently they have a support now of the majority of the population of Taiwan. And uh, the gomingdan is obviously about joining China, you know, just basically becoming the part of China, how it will uh, play itself out politically, I don't know. I'm not, do not have any insights. I'm again, I don't know language, I'm not Sinologist. But militarily, uh, I'm not even sure that United States can sustain the operations anymore, despite having a dramatic uh, advantage over Chinese in terms of the submarine force. But uh after Mr. Z visit March this year to Moscow, there are all, uh, how to say it, all reasons to suspect that China will get some certain weapon systems from Russia, which will allow to keep United States uh, Navy uh, reliably away from the uh, shores of the Taiwan. So, and then of course, China needs just to wait for the, I understand, elections and how the formalization of the unification will proceed. That's my uh, thought on that. But other than that, I don't know. United States have been exposed dramatically, actually. So. But we can already state very clearly that China, uh, as, uh, basically, um, admitted, if you wish, you know, uh, and uh, accepted the fact that Russia is the major Chinese energy supplier and there will be a lot of, uh, uh, technology supply, uh, you know, issues, uh, which will be still continue developing between Russia and China. So, and that basically shapes the framework, so to speak, of how China will be approaching its um, fight or whatever there will be around Taiwan. So, in this particular case, uh, Russia and China, they stand, you know, not shoulder to shoulder, but back to back to each other, you know, and this fits Russia well, and um we'll see how it will fit uh, China, but obviously Chinese understand that their lifeline in case of the serious conflict with the United States, is Russia, of course. And you need to have energy. You need to have all of it. And China really needs it. The only country that has the experience of a real war is
0: Russia right now. Their contribution to China, if anything happened in Taiwan, would be huge for for Chinese in terms of weapons, artillery. How crucial is that in the mind of Chinese, in your opinion?
1: were absolutely crucial, especially when you look at Mr the Minister of Defense, Mr. Li Shanfu. He is actually the guy who uh, uh, was in charge and was promoting constantly, incessantly, the uh, closer military relations between Russia and China. And he is the guy who also was trying to initiate, and he is initiating type of the reform, which will uh, bring Chinese forces to their, you know, uh, level of the superpower. And they know that without Russia, it's uh, very difficult to do, to put it mildly. And you have to know that uh, actually there are many Chinese officers in Moscow uh, there was already experienced number of occasions of the unified command of the mixed Russian-Chinese units, even formations, fighting together as the unified force. So that tells you a lot. It's essentially there are, uh, well, to certain degree, uh, formation of the military union without declaring it. And of course, China needs very much their. Uh, Russian hypersonic technologies, Russian submarine <laughs> technologies, and a lot of other technologies, which, of course, many people still believe that, you know, China has the lead, but it she doesn't. I mean, China still lags dramatically in many systems, and uh, Russia is the kind of one of those, you know, uh, keys to the military superpower status of, of China.
0: The Chinese Minister of Defense just announced two weeks ago if I'm not mistaken, that they're going to be a an alliance between SCO countries, Belarus and Iran. And it seems that they're moving toward an alliance between these countries, even Russia. How, how, how did you find that? It's a big move on the part of China.
1: Um, China also have to remember, there's another thing here, that... Russia and China have also their differences, no doubt about it. It's normal. Any country has difference. Do not forget that once Russia formalizes this uh, north-south corridor, which is proceeding a pace as we speak, and especially with Iran essentially joining BRICS, and then, of course, Iran. Well, just consider this. Uh, Iran and Russia are removing their visa requirements for travel. You can travel just, you know, to Iran, you know, fly from Moscow to Tehran without any visa, you know, and back same way. So, and considering uh, Iran's energy potential, which is gigantic, you know, and uh, then you suddenly have this vast market, it's a large country. And once you begin to get it together, pull it together, you have a very serious Eurasian military bloc. And that is why the latest news when Russia supplied finally the uh, Yakov-130 trainer aircraft. It's not Arab, it's the best trainer aircraft in the world. And uh, that means what? After that, serious uh, airplanes, serious combat aircraft are coming. Uh, uh, Iran will be buying it. And then, of course, we look at the vast market for Russian commercial airspace in Iran. And when you look at this, this is, oh, that's serious, for example. Just to give you an example, why it is serious and why China kind of wants to keep an eye on this. Uh, Iran is in a dire need of the uh, renovation of its uh, air fleet. Commercial air fleet. They still fly Airbus 300s, okay? So they fly MD-88s, which do not fly anymore, Anyway, But look at this. China, for example, they, uh, you know, with pump, they announced their, uh, production of their C919, uh, Comac aircraft. Well, if you look at this aircraft, 90% of this aircraft is not Chinese. It's actually Western from engine to avionics, to everything, basically system. The Chinese made their like uh, couple of the cons- wing consoles and some, you know, parts of fuselage, that's about it. Uh, Russia just now already entered the final uh, uh, test of the Sukhoi superjet, which is now fully russified. MS 21 is fully russified. China cannot export this COMAC to Iran. You know why? Because it will be forbidden to do that so. Well guess what Russia can export whatever she wants to Iran because it's all russian made and there are no uh this re- uh, uh requirement which is anything above 10% of the foreign made you cannot export it you know uh and this is just one of examples of those things so and we have this complex dynamics but yeah once Iran joins Russia you have uh, Russia is already energy super russia superpower in many respects Actually, it is genuine superpower, just superpower as such. But, I mean, when you add Iran and you add Iran's capabilities, industrial capabilities and demographic and transport and energy, then you have a, yeah, you have a geopolitical monster. And that is why Mr. Erdogan is also, (laughs) was in Sochi. You know, he, he has to decide very soon.
0: And they're talking about Erdogan and Putin were talking about this new grain deal between Russia and, mm-hmm. and Turkey. And they were talking about the, doing the trades in their currency, in their yeah. local currency. It seems that er- Erdogan is so willing to join BRICS. How do you see the behavior of Turkey? Are they going to join BRICS, in your opinion?
1: Um, I would say uh, likely at some point of time. So, and, uh, but Russia doesn't press Turkey, you know, and again, listen, you have to understand, um no matter what Erdogan does, and he does a lot of things which are kind of questionable, you know, uh and again, this is not a grain deal. They negotiated just one million tons of grain, go to Africa, bypassing Ukraine and everything. Russians give this grain and Turkey will be the main hub. But now, when you hear this latest news, that the second nuclear power station will be built by Russians in Turkey, which is huge, I mean, in itself. So, yeah, Erdogan has no other option. He's not a stupid man. He's very shrewd politician. He sees what is happening in Europe. You know, he sees where it is all going. It's going down the drain. Europe literally circles the drain as we speak. So, for him... uh, His future is to basically be the part of BRICS, which is absolutely natural. uh, Obviously, that means also kind of, you know, uh, cutting down on his uh, Osman uh, Osman Empire ambitions. But it's fine, you know, he will do it if he needs to, because Turkey has a lot of uh, economic issues. And the only way she can resolve it and mitigate them will be through BRICS. It, It cannot be done through EU. It cannot be done anymore. EU is becoming poor and in coming years, if it even exists at that time, Europe will be much poorer. And I'm talking about much like, not necessarily like the third world, but certainly like the second world.
0: Just to wrap up this session, I want to talk about Putin because this man is so wise the kind of wisdom he has because if, if we consider for example for instance turkey that was sending weapons drones to ukraine and with all that said putin just considers all of these movements but he's willing to negotiate with turkey we don't see anything like this in the west in the western countries in the western politicians how important is the role of Putin in what we know as Russia today?
1: It's huge, but also we should keep in mind, Putin is not just one person there. There is a collective Putin, so to speak. And when you look at the people who are in Russian government, Be it Mr. Medvedev, be it Mr. Shaigu, be it Mr. Gerasimov, Chief of General Staff, be it Mr. Bilausov or Mr. Mishustin, Prime Minister. These are people with outstanding, uh, not only human qualities and professional qualities, they're humans. And when you look at this, this is like, wow, that's the team, you know. He has a team. And many people in Russia understand it. For example, nobody notices that. Mikhail Mishustin, the prime minister of Russia, has the rating through the roof. You know, he has like second or third man, Russians trust after Putin. Can you believe that? And yeah, this the guy, he just does his job. He is not, you know, knee-jerk, PR-driven, you know, puffers-driven, uh, BSR, you know, and populist. He just comes out. Does his job, he flies non-stop over the country, he visits plants, he visits talks to people, you know. And so yeah, it's uh, it's very important. But Putin, of course, is the kind of like the cherry on the top, if you wish, you know. So and um the Russians obviously he has again he has an incredible support in Russia,